Hello again. I am Chris Lee of Southeastern 14 here, joined by my good friend Neil McCready, who covers Ole Miss anytime we cover the Rebels and talk about them. This is the guy we go to. He runs the site rebelgrove.com, part of the Rivals Network. Neil, thanks for joining us today. Chris, as always, uh, my friend, good to be with you. We got a lot of ground to cover at what's an interesting time for, for Ole Miss and the NCA. And before we do that, a reminder, this brought to you by Bet Online, which continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year with up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends. You can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online. The game starts here. Neil, it is always an interesting offseason if you are at the Division One level, particularly interesting for Ole Miss, a team that is, that is portal heavy. The Rebels kept their quarterback, Jackson Dart. They lost Quinshawn Judkins, a, a tailback whom everybody wanted now at Ohio State. Comings and goings in the portal, what are the key things that Ole Miss has added and lost in this offseason? Yeah, it's interesting. Everybody except Ole Miss wanted Quinshawn Judkins back. Um, that's a, that was a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating thing to wow. follow. Um, great running back, no doubt about that. Replacing him is going to be challenging. Uh, it was the first sign of, you know, <clears throat> it's funny, Lane, the Lane Kiffin stuff. People have this impression of Kiffin based off Twitter of this different kind of guy, you know, edgy and funny and all that stuff. And, and really, he's very reserved in person. Uh, for those of us who cover him, we, we always laugh about the juxtaposition of what people think of Lane Kiffin as opposed to what Lane probably really is. And Lane talked a lot. He's very, he's very frank when he... When we ask him about stuff, you get either one of two things. You either get, I don't really feel like talking about that or the truth. You mm -hmm. really don't get much. I mean, in I've covered him now for four years. And I can probably count on one hand the times that he went coach speak and just sort of danced around something with a bunch of words. Um, he just doesn't do it. And so there were some hints during the season that they were having issues with Judkins, NIL-related issues. They had negotiated a deal. He wanted more. I think they found a way to get him more. He wanted more again. I think they found a way to get him more again. And then I think they had an agreement. I'll be honest. I, I thought at the end of the season, I, I didn't expect that Quinshawn would stay at Ole Miss. And I thought that he would not play in the Peach Bowl. And when Quinshawn not only showed up to Atlanta, but played in the Peach Bowl, it was my understanding that they had reached an agreement on a deal. And otherwise, he wouldn't have played that night. But there were some things that happened in that game uh, during that week and in the subsequent days following that game that led Ole Miss to finally go, you know what, we're done. It's not worth yeah. it. it. It's too much. You're impacting chemistry. Lane talks a lot about chemistry. He'll admit that the end of the 2022 season, that uh, deterioration was chemistry related. He'll, he'll own it. He, he talks about how he thought, you know, you just go get as many good players as you can and you bring them together and, and, and it'll work out. 
and it does until it doesn't. And um, then in 2023, they they focused on a different type of build. They tried to build around guys who were kind of driven in a certain way, were more team-oriented, were more likely to take a lesser role for the betterment of a team. Um, and they were able to add a lot of those guys, and it worked. And he, they went 11-2, first time in, in program history. They won 11 games in, in a season. They beat Penn State in the Peach Bowl. Only losses were at Alabama, at Georgia. Um, obviously they're onto something and he, I think, I think he and they looked at what could potentially happen with Judkins. And I think they just pulled their offer off the table and, and let him go his own way. Uh, you're right about Jackson Dart underrated player. I'm surprised he doesn't get more national acclaim than he does. He has been nothing short of terrific for Ole Miss. He doesn't have the Caleb Williams arm or that kind of thing. But he's a leader, very gritty. Uh, teammates love him. Um, this will be his third year in the same offense with the same coordinator, Charlie Weiss Jr., the same head coach, Lane Kiffin. Um, it really gives them a chance to um, to be dangerous on offense. They added some weapons at receiver, uh, added another tight end. Um, they added some offensive linemen, added two guys off that Washington offensive line that was won the Joe Moore Award. Mm. Um, offensively, they should be a, a, a very interesting team. And then the story with Ole Miss in the portal was what they went out and did defensively. Um, Walter Nolan from Texas A&M, Texas A&M, I should say. Uh, Princely Umana, mate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it down. Florida kid. Yeah, Princely, Princely Uman Mielin. I've uh, it was a you know kind of an all SEC caliber defensive lineman at with the Gators. They added Chris Paul, who was probably the best defensive player for Arkansas a year ago at linebacker. He's at Ole Miss now. Um, they they just added a bunch of dudes defensively that have played in this league that know what this league's about. They had a really good high school class defensively. Uh, Pete Golding did a tremendous job last year. Ole Miss went from being not good on defense to being pretty good on defense to being more than serviceable on defense. They made a, a big statistical jump. I think the belief is that they'll make a big statistical jump again because they added, here's what happened, Chris, the one game where they just got their ass kicked. There's no way around it. They went to Athens, big game in yeah. November, got big hyped. Ole Miss went in there as kind of a playoff contender and Georgia beat their tail. And there was one of those deals, as again, I, I, this is where I give Kiffin a ton of credit. You have those moments, and you can do one of two things. You can either kid yourself into, well, it was just their night. You know, we didn't have a couple things. We didn't go right. And, and it's, No, no, no. Or you can be honest. And Kiffin was honest. He said that that night they had plenty of time, and in the subsequent days after that, and they finished the season, you know, they beat ULM, they they won at Mississippi State, they 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 recovered enough, but their focus immediately said, We've got to be bigger and more physical on the defensive front. We have got to, as a team, in warm-ups, at least look better. We've got to look more like an SEC team in warm-ups. Maybe that doesn't translate to wins, but we've got to look that way, or else this is our ceiling. And they went out and added size and athleticism on the defensive side of the football. Now they've got to put it on the field and make it work, but they saw what was stopping them. That was 
they they this team last year, as opposed to a lot of teams, this team kind of hit its ceiling. Ten and two, eleven and two was probably the ceiling for this team, and and um, and they hit it. And so now, how do you break through and make the next step? You had to get bigger. You had to get more physical on uh, on the defensive front seven, and I think they feel like they've done that. When you're talking through all that, I mean, chemistry, it's not fantasy football that they're playing. You've got a mm -hmm. mixed personality. I'm amazed that he was able to do what he did in the quarterback room last offseason because yeah. they had two kids on that roster that were backups that could have made some starts at other SEC schools. Yeah. Hold, holding it together under those circumstances. And I think they added one a pretty coveted high school kid too. Um, that That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I don't. To this day, I know how he did it. It's the there's a this the story of Spencer Sanders and how that all came about, and then how it played out and how it sort of worked out is one that never really has gotten told because Spencer hasn't talked. Um, but it was fascinating. I I don't I don't know whether Lane Kiffin brought Spencer Sanders in to be the quarterback, and Jackson Dart just said, "Hey." I've got other plans. Whether he brought Spencer Sanders in to motivate Jackson Dart or whether he brought Spencer Sanders in to be an expensive insurance policy. I don't, I don't know. Lane will tell you, and this is where you have to sort of go, well, you always sort of tell the truth. Maybe this is the truth. Maybe the truth is as simple as, hey, my job is to build every room with as much talent as I can and then let it sort itself out. So what he says, I, I, I don't know. Again, I, I'm not saying that Lane's not telling the truth. I'm not saying that he's being disingenuous. I'm not saying that he's being dancing around it. I'm, I'm not at all. I, I, it felt like more than that. I heard things that made me think it was more than that. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, it worked out. Jackson was very motivated, uh, had a great season, played his ass off, and uh, has positioned himself to – with another really strong year, has positioned himself to be a guy that the NFL is interested in. Now, I remember this correct. I feel like they landed a couple of kids from Tennessee for a minute that they lost. They did. Uh, defense, yeah. What happened yeah. there? Uh, Tyler, Tyler Barron, Barron and, uh, and uh, McDonald. Oh, Tamari safe. McDonald. Yeah. Uh, landed them, and, you know, the, the portal doesn't stop just because you commit. And, uh, <laughs> Louisville, Louisville offered more, and Ole Miss decided that that was a price they weren't willing to go to. Sort of like free agency bidding, right? I mean, yeah, the Cubs, I'm sure, wanted Shohei Otani until it got to a point where they couldn't afford Shohei Otani, and so you make you make fiscal decisions. And I think, listen, I think that's a big part of roster building in the new in the new era is um, putting limits on yourself. Putting a value, a valuation on a player, making your valuation. I think uh, scouting departments inside college football programs now are are really important. Uh, where you work with your collective and and say, okay, here's our budget. We have nine million dollars. We have to be smart. If you overspend in this spot, you're not going to have as much for this spot, and you have decisions to make. And I think. Um, I think based on everything I can tell and have heard, I think Ole Miss has been very disciplined in that regard. They have put valuations on players that they wanted, and when the bidding for those players elsewhere got to a point where they were no longer comfortable, they bowed out.
And I don't think you could do deferred money in Oxford the way you can in L.A. Either, can you? <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't think you can do the uh, Otani contract. I don't think that's an option for the for, for <laughs> offensive tackles that are that are coming in for one, maybe two years. I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it. I don't think you can be that creative. Yeah, if if, if it were, I think the guy you cover might have figured it out. But <laughs> well, hey, look, I, again. And and before people think I'm just kissing this guy's ass, I really don't know Lane very well. He doesn't do a yeah. lot of local. He doesn't do local. For anybody watching, Neil, you were, yeah, I know you well. I've known you for 15 years. You're not that guy. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't, I I don't. I mean, we're not like personal buddies. I don't. I mean, I, there's no animus. I don't think. I think he respects me. I, I respect him. I think he's very good at what he does. And I think he's fine with the job that I do. I don't think he cares much one way or the other, if you be totally honest. But the the the, the point um, is that, yeah, the credit I give him is that he will tell you openly that this system is stupid. Yeah. He will openly tell you that this is insane, that the 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 calendar is idiotic, uh, that the the idea of multiple transfers is reckless, it's dangerous, it's it's he will tell you all of those things, but then he will tell you that said, if these are the rules, yep, we have to work within those rules. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time worrying about things that I can't control, predicting yeah. what's going to happen. If this is the set of rules, if, if this is the template that I have to use, then that's the template I'm going to use until you change it. And if you change it, he'll adapt to it. But until you change it, and until you go, hey, this is this is something we're going to change. He's going to do the very best he can. I, I think Lane Kiffin thinks the transfer portal is kind of crazy, yeah. but he's figured out how to work the transfer portal, and it's made his program um, a national contender. And it's it is to his credit. It is the part of his uh, what he's done that I don't think he gets enough credit for because people are so obsessed with his offense and the the, the play sheet flying into the air and. Uh, you know, uh, the Twitter stuff where he, you know, picks on Jimbo Fisher or whoever the case may be to me that all that stuff is just like sideshow sort of stuff. What, yeah. what he does really, really well is, and this is what I think made Nick Saban great is the guy super adaptable. That's to me, to me, that's his strongest trait. Yeah. He's an yeah. offensive genius. Absolutely. He's a, he's a savant offensively. And, and that's a big part of what he does. But his ability to just go, okay, well, all right, these are the rules. This is how you, this is how you maximize this product within this template. That's to me, that's his strength. Yeah, and for context, people may be watching this in, in May. We're doing this February the fifteenth. This is the week that Chip Kelly left the head coaching job at UCLA to be Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Yeah. And so it's the week that Sean Elliott left Georgia State to go be an assistant. I was going to say, it's, it's the day. If you, I, I didn't know if you'd seen that or not. But they, leaving yeah. Georgia State as a head coach to be a position coach at South Carolina, which, by the way, fired you, what, 10 years ago? Hey, a, a good friend of mine, Kane Womack. Um, I've known Kane yeah. for a long time since he was a, a grad assistant here. Uh, his dad, Dave, was the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, one of the favorite people I've ever covered in anywhere in any sport. Uh, I've known Kane since he was in his early 20s. Kane left the head coaching job at South Alabama to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama. And Kane loved Mobile. Uh, he and his wife, Melissa, their, their, their kids were, uh, they basically raised their kids there. Uh, they're, they're young, young guys, but, but they loved it there. They loved Mobile. They, 
he did a great job at Mobile that uh, at South. They they loved him there. I mean, there was no animus that I'm aware of. I don't think there was any at all. And and he he left because it look it just made sense, you know, to position yourself to become a head coach at the Power Five level. You you probably need to be coaching in the Power Five. I I think that's what he thought. And the sport it, it's just changing. I mean. Five years ago, the head coach at South Alabama, the successful head coach at South Alabama would never have left that to go be a coordinator. Yeah. Sean Elliott's a hell of a coach. I've had him on my yeah. show. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's 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 really good. And he's built a really good program at Georgia State in a in a good league. The Sunbelt's a good league. Mm-hmm. Or I should say, and we'll say this for the end, probably, it was a good league. Who knows what the Sun Belt's going to be in two, yeah. three years? I mean, last year, the year before that, the Sun Belt was like super entertaining. I mean, it was it's really fun football. There were good players, great coaches, good rivalries. They would get crowds. I went to a, a Troy South Alabama game in Mobile in 2022. That was stadium was packed. It was electric. It was a Thursday night. Uh, Ole Miss was playing at LSU on Saturday, so I, I went to Mobile and and and. Saw that game. Two guys that I'm friends with were coaching against each other. John Summerall, who's now at Tulane, and, and Kane, like we just talked about. And on that night, if you'd said, hey, what does the future of the Sun Belt look like? I would have been like, oh, really strong. It's what a fun league. I mean, you yeah. know, it's, it's not the SEC, but it's 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 the next best thing. You know, it's it's the double A version of the SEC, the triple A version of the SEC. Now, what's the future of the Sun Belt? I don't know. Is there a future for the Sun Belt? I mean, there might not be. Might not be a way to be to be viable. So all your good players are going to get get taken away. Is it possible that the Big Ten and the AC break away to the point that you you can't get you can't buy the buy games anymore? You don't yeah. have the resources to to do the things that you need to do to be what you once were. Yeah, absolutely, it's possible. And so you see all these yeah. guys going, "I'm out. I'm bolting." I mean, some people would say like, "Oh, well, you know, leaving Troy for Tulane is a lateral move." No, it's not. No, it's it, it's it's not at all. You're leaving a place where the the future is kind of cloudy for a place that the future is a little less cloudy. Yeah. And they, Hey, look, and the and two lanes in the American and the American, you just last couple of years, you're like that league's on its way. I mean, they've got a lot going for it. And now you're like, I don't really know what that league has. I don't know what that league is. It's, it, it's, it's wild how fast it's changing. It's, it's, um, I've told you privately my thoughts on it, but it's, you see some smart people. We just named some. I know all of those guys, some better than others. I know all three of them are smart people, and they all made that move, and and that's 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 not a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cloudy, we're living in this bizarro world time, and and again, when we're doing this, we've got a trial going on. I guess three hours to the east of me. Tennessee versus the NCAA, essentially. And yeah. and you cover a program. And, and look, the NCAA is going after at the moment, Florida, Florida State, all these teams that got on their radar. You know, we, we, we've seen Ohio State's collective tweet out things, you know, the minute it's grabbing players. Like, I, I don't – do you understand what Ole Miss is or isn't doing to, to stay on the right side of this as, as opposed to the – the, the schools at the NC is, or is this all just random and capricious? I, I don't know I, if you, I, if you have a great answer for that, then I don't, I don't know that. I, then, I don't know that. Hats off to you, but, but I, I, I think I can, we're all just living in the dark. 
Okay, so here's here's my answer, and I, I will preface this with I know nothing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I covered when the NCAA made Ole Miss their target for years. And Hugh Freeze was – they didn't handle it well. Ole Miss – but if you go – and you and I have talked about this before, and you can either think I'm an Ole Miss homer or you don't, and at this point after all these years, I really don't care. Um, the one thing that, that that's undeniable – is that if you go and take your personal feelings for or against Ole Miss out of the picture and just read what they were ultimately convicted of, it's like a list of petty crimes. I mean, there's nothing there. It's like getting Al Capone for jaywalking or something like that. Yeah, I mean, literally. I mean, like not a, not that Ole Miss was Al Capone, but you know what I mean. No, but it's like it's like it's like you really want to give somebody a punishment, so you you find where they stay. They parked their car too long in a spot. I mean, you're like, okay, here's here's the penalty. And, oh, and I found out that, you know, you didn't walk inside the crosswalk. You were just outside the crosswalk. And that's jaywalking. Um, yeah, it, it it was that. It was like the, the biggest thing was that they gave Laramie Tunsil's stepfather after Laramie was already at Ole Miss $700. $700. You, you, you can't even... You can't even get into the conversation in NIL right now with seven hundred dollars. I mean, people laugh at that. It's like that's a joke. Um, you know, they got Chris Kiffin let Laramie Tunsil when he first got to Ole Miss. After he was signed, everything the recruiting was done. The kid was kind of lonely at the time, and they let him sleep on his couch a couple of nights and didn't charge him. Literally, that was a major infraction. It was <laughs> it was stuff like that, and so now. You have you asked me the so you asked me a question about all this. My only answer would be, and this is a guess. Ole Miss got out in front of NIL with their collective at the very beginning. They were very organized. They did all the right paperwork. They were very cautious and careful to the point where you know Lane Kiffin was kind of like, you could let's go, come on, let's go. And and the answer was no, we're gonna do this right. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do this the correct way. And, you know, it, it wasn't until the Lane Kiffin to Auburn stuff got really hot and heavy that they really got going with NIL. I think they were dotting their I's and crossing their T's. The people that set everything up were attorneys, and they were they were very uh, deliberate and cautious in their actions of setting it up. So maybe when they, if they were to dig into Ole Miss, they just wouldn't be a whole lot to find um, for, in terms of, like, egregious infractions or whatnot. Um, Tennessee, on the other hand, landed Nico Imaleva and, um, there was all the press about what kind of a deal he got. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that pissed the NCAA off. NCAA has lost a lot of its powers. Uh, doesn't have the same bite anymore and people are no longer afraid of it. If I tell you, hey, Chris, there's a rattlesnake in that room. If you walk in that room, there's a rattlesnake in that room. You're scared of that rattlesnake. You do not want to get bit by that. I'm assuming you don't want to get bit by that rattlesnake. And that's going to impact the decision you make about whether or not you're willing to risk walking into that room. Yeah. But if I tell you, hey, Chris, there's a rattlesnake in that room, but it's been defanged. Yeah. All right. I still don't want to get bit by it. And I still was kind of scared of it because it looks scary and it does its rattle and stuff. And I'm like, eh. 
I'm, I mean, I, I my skin crawls, right? I don't want to be a part of it, but it can't kill me. It doesn't have fangs. Chris, yeah. there's no way literally for that snake to inject its venom into you. It can't hurt you with its fangs. It doesn't have fangs anymore. So it might strike at you, but at the end of the day, it doesn't, it can't really hurt you. Okay. Well now you might go in the room. You don't want yeah. to It's still kind of like a little uncomfortable, right? But you'll eat. If you, if you need something in that room, you'll go. And yeah. that's where the NCAA is. The NCAA has been defanged. It can't really hurt you. And I think what's going to happen in this court case ultimately is that Tennessee is going to win. Virginia is going to win. And it, it, the, what's going to come out of this for a minute is there are no rules. Yeah. Do what you want. If you can raise $100 million to pay players, go for it. If you can't, it's your fault. Oh, I, 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 where does that go from there? I don't know. To me, the writing's on the wall. The Big Ten and the SEC are superpowers. I don't know what's in it for them to continue to play along with the Big 12 and the ACC and the American and the others. I, I, why, would, why would the SEC and the Big Ten sign off on a playoff uh, format that includes the top group of five? Why? What motivation? Other than maybe there's some sort of legality to it. So I think that you're going to see them come up with a way to escape that. And yeah, people say all the time, well, that'll be boring. No, it won't. Look at the NFL ratings. Right. Look at the TV ratings for the NFL. And if you want to go, well, that was Taylor Swift. Okay, then find the games where Taylor wasn't there. They're all got big ratings too. Yeah. I mean, the NFL did one of its playoff games on what Amazon or Peacock or something, and just blew the number. Oh, they were all over the place. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the NFL is just king, and so why not follow that format? And you, you know, you and I were talking about this a minute ago. Ole Miss has games this coming season, home games with Georgia Southern, I think, uh, Middle Tennessee, and Furman. Nothing against those three schools. I'm sure, they're great schools. Nothing against the football programs at those three schools. What's in it? If I'm if I'm ESPN and I'm paying you 1.3 billion dollars a year for your league to play games on my on my platforms, I don't want those games. When I could have Ole Miss instead playing Iowa, uh, Michigan State, and I don't know Rutgers, Maryland, I can sell those games. I mean, those aren't like yeah. super compelling games, right? But Ole Miss, Michigan State, yeah, sure, I'll watch. People go, well, who would watch that? I don't know. The same people who watch the Bills and the Chargers. Yeah. And people, you know, I, I think the day's coming where the money's just to the point where, like, the networks, uh, the, the, the two, I think the two leagues basically eventually get to a point where they converge and kind of form an agreement, you know, where the SEC is its own entity and the Big Ten's its own entity, but they really do a lot of interacting. You know, what's to stop Ohio State and Alabama from playing a home-and-home? So what if they meet yeah. in the playoffs a third time? Everybody would watch it. Everybody would watch Georgia-Michigan part three. What's to stop them from having a, a, a game in, in September in Ann Arbor and a game in November in Athens? The money's huge. It's all about money. If it's all about money, why not? People say, well, you, you don't want to see a team play each other twice. No one would watch that. Okay, well, when the, would. When, the, when the Cowboys and the Giants play in, in the, the playoffs for the third time, 
I've never heard anybody go, you know, what sucks about this game is that they've already played twice. Bengals Ravens when they played a third time in the playoffs. I never heard anybody go, you know, I'd, I just don't want to watch this. I've seen those two teams play twice. So now you won't watch them when the winner advances? Sure you will. Yeah, there was allegedly some interest in the Alabama-Georgia rematches. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I just think that's where we're headed. And, and I, I think you see the writing on the wall. Maybe something happens to reverse that. Uh, I think there's going to be chaos and carnage uh, left in the wake. And I think there's going to be a lot of people, including a lot of people who work in our field, Chris, who are gnashing teeth and 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 uh, excoriating the process. And, and my response to them will be, you guys continue to pursue utopia. It doesn't yeah. exist. So why don't you take all that energy and load up your car and find a rainbow and chase it to the end and get that pot of gold. And then when you get done, get it, go to the ocean and get in a boat and go mermaid hunting or go to the forest and look for a unicorn. I mean, you, you, you guys are looking for these things that don't exist. So have at it. But if you make college sports business and nothing but business, that's where we're headed. The only thing that shocks me, and I've, I've got, I think I got my answer. Why is it this didn't all happen before? Because I've been looking at this for for years and going, wait a minute. There's a lot more to be made out of Alabama playing Ohio State in that before the Iron Bowl weekend, than there, you know, than there is of Alabama playing Charleston Southern. Multiply that times how many ever any what? And of course, the the thing that governed it was. Well, you know, that's that's the game we need to get our win so we get in the playoffs. Well, the logical answer to that move move the playoff to a different number, which they did. And I always thought the the, the objection to that was absurd. I'm like, why why would in a world of parity, why would you not want to try and that's that's another thing that people in our field have clung to that makes no sense is the not only the idea that the four team playoff was enough, but that that the old two two team system. And I, I get yeah. it. I get that the games were lopsided, but we're living in a different world now. I just can't believe. And, and I'll go a step further, Neil. I look back now, fifteen years ago, when you wanted to catch a certain SEC game, you might have to listen to that on the radio if you weren't in person. Oh, not long. I'm, not I'm just shocked with all the money at stake that we didn't get to these places where we got with the TV networks and everything a long time ahead of when we did. I think that's that no, my, my answer. That's probably, that's what happens when you run by ideologues. And it's also what happens when the rattlesnake still has its fangs. Right. And, and the rattlesnake still had its fangs. And then the summer of 2020 rolled around and yeah. there was a, a call for so much change and so much change came so quickly. And not only did you add NIL, which this is the greed, right, of the NCAA, where for the longest time, a lot of people were like, you know, these guys are earning a ton of money for these schools. Shouldn't we come up with a way to compensate them a little bit? And everybody's like, no, 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 no. They can't have anything. Nothing. No, no. You'd be like, don't you think you ought to give them something? Like yeah. just a little bit? Because they're making you a lot of money. Yeah, and now you're adding games. You're adding a conference championship game and a playoff game. And a, don't you think you should give them a little something? No, 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 yeah. no, nope, 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 nope. Amateurs. And so here we go. And now you've got okay. Well, they can transfer if they graduate. Now they can transfer once, and then someone goes, "Well, that's stupid. Why can't I transfer twice? Why can't I transfer four times?" And the answer right now so far has been everything has been ruled in favor of of athletes and, yeah okay but this is what happens when you 
the NCAA was always poorly run. And all of a sudden, people challenged it. For the longest time, yeah. you couldn't challenge it. I mean, when Ole Miss took it upside the head, for lack of a more graphic description, it was because, well, you know, what do you do? What do you do? And now the answer is you fight. What did Tennessee yeah. do? What did Tennessee do when the NCAA came after them? They said, all right, all right hey, you want a war, big boy? Bring it. And I'll tell you this. I, I, I don't know this, but I would bet a lot of money on this. The, the Tennessee didn't do that without talking to the people at the SEC. That's my guess. Yeah. My guess is that Tennessee officials at the at the, at the at UT had some conversations with the people in the SEC office who said, "Fight it. We've got your back." I don't. I don't yeah, know that. I don't know that. I could be wrong. I doubt it. I doubt I'm wrong. I have a theory on the NCA, and you you tell me if you if this holds water. It, it's like somebody that. I don't know, and I'm not liking the NCAA tour murderer, but it's like somebody who committed a murder 40 years ago and has kind of walked around, you know, and, and taken precautions for a while, but it, it's been so long since they did it that they think they're not going to get caught, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody gets a tip somewhere, they, they swab a soda can, and, you know, a guy wakes up and he's arrested for something he did 40 years ago that nobody suspected, you know, and, and at some point you just live your life in that, area of comfort that you just think I'm going to just continue living in that way forever. And maybe, uh, you know, you start taking some risks and doing some things that you, that you wouldn't have done before because you've always been able to get away with it. And and then when you get caught, you know, the, the whole thing comes crashing down and you don't know what to do. And that, that kind of strikes me at the point, the NCAA, they, they've been able to call the rules yeah. and make these stupid absurdities and convince people that, yeah, a guy's got a market value, but he doesn't deserve to get paid all in the name of, of this or that. And now they're just kind of thrashing about because they were so used to having this power, they don't know what to do. That's it. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, a couple more things before I let you go. I know Ole Miss, you know, has been very portal focused, but added Pete Golding. I think he's done some good things with him in, in high school recruiting. What what does their roster build look like going forward in, in the high school ranks? Uh, solid. They they recruited at a much higher level with high school guys. They they are pretty disciplined about it. They they only take guys that they want. They don't reach. If they don't get the guys they want, they save those spots for the portal. That's their form. Yeah. That's their formula, and and it appears to be working. Uh, they don't, you know, in the old days, you didn't get who you wanted, so you took some flyers on guys at the end, and if it worked out, it worked out. If it didn't, it didn't. Not them. If they don't get the high school kids they want, guys they think can help them within twenty four months or so, they they just save those spots for the portal. Offense, that's been where Lane Kiffin's bread has been buttered. He's got his quarterback coming back next year. They they've always been able to get receivers in the portal. Uh, what's it look like for them next year there? Uh, offensive line should be really good. Um, they're going to have depth at receivers, some returning receivers, Jordan Watkins, Trey Harris, Caden Priestcorn that were very effective uh, this past season. They've added some guys both via the portal and and uh, and, and junior college if, that if they get in and are healthy that they should be weapons. They, uh, they, they still have Ulysses Bentley back at running back. He was pretty effective when healthy last year. Uh, they've added Logan Diggs from LSU, although he tore an ACL on New Year's Day. So his – when when he is ready and how effective he can be is kind of up for debate. I anticipate they will get back in the portal at some point in April and and add another running back. 
They're probably involved in the tampering portal right now that everyone is too. Um, and so they'll, they'll probably do that. So offensively, they should be, they should be really good. Feels like a different year for Ole Miss. 12-team playoff now is going to put a lot of things on the table for a lot of schools. I, I felt like Ole Miss, if they had been a 12-team playoff last year. They would have made it. Would, okay, I couldn't remember whether they were in the ranks. Yeah. I knew they were close. They would have um, been number 11. They would have, they yeah, would have, that, gone, that been they would have gone on the road in, in, in week one to play. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. It feels like that's a good baseline of expectations for this coming year. Just kind of Chris, a playoff or bust scenario. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's no way around it. I've covered this beat now for a long time. And Ole Miss has always been able to kind of steer into the nobody respects us. We're not getting credit. We're being overlooked. Us against the world. It's a motivating thing. It's not a criticism. They can't do that this year. I mean, they can do it. It's going to get laughed at. Like, I'll make fun of them if they do it. And I won't be alone. Like, if Lane Kiffin goes, no one believes in us, I will say Lane. I mean, ESPN put out a way too early playoff prediction. And they got their six football writers to forecast the 12-team playoff. All six listed Ole Miss. Okay, that's respect. Uh, Someone put them at number five nationally yesterday, on Wednesday as we tape this. That's respect. I don't know that you can say, hey, no one believes in us. No, everyone believes in you. Literally everyone thinks you're a playoff team. So they're going to have to come up with a different kind of motivation. And then look, there's only two results for this team next year. You either make the playoffs in some capacity, whether it's as the 11 seed or as the four seed or the five or the one or whatever, and you end your season in some way in a playoff game, whether it's winning the championship or losing. I mean, look, 11 playoff teams are going to lose their final game. So there's going to we're not going to be able to judge failure on they lost their last game. No, I mean, 12 teams will make the playoffs. One's going to win the whole thing. You know, my son's soccer team was one of 16 teams in the state of Mississippi to make the playoff, and he made it to the final four, and they lost. And, you know, he was devastated, and he's like, we failed. I mean, no, you didn't. You just ran out. Your 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 turn ran out. It'll be like that. So it, they're either going to make the playoffs, and it's a success, or they're not going to make the playoffs, and it's going to be a failure. There's no in-between. Like a year ago, if I'd told a hundred Ole Miss fans, you're going to go nine and three, and you're going to play in the um, Citrus Bowl. Of the hundred ninety, would have been thrilled. If I go to those same hundred fans and go nine and three Citrus Bowl, one hundred will say failure. How about that? Yeah. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. And it's that way at Alabama, at Georgia, at Texas, at Missouri this year, maybe Tennessee. I think people are sleeping on Tennessee. You've got multiple programs in the SEC where it's playoffs or bust. And what yeah. is what is bust going to feel like when you tell, let's play this out. We're talking about Ole Miss. Let's play it out. Let's say Ole Miss goes eight and four, nine and three. Pick your pick your record. I don't care. Either one. Seven and five, eight and three, nine, eight and four, nine and three. One of those three records. And it's failure. And they're like, hey, by the way, we, we need you to go to Jacksonville or Tampa or whatever to play this bowl game. 30 guys opt out? What does that look yeah. like? What, is that, what does that even look like? 
when yeah. the coach says we don't want to go. It's going to be like an NC, a team that was on the NCAA bubble getting invited to the NIT and the kids looking around and going, we don't want to play in this. Yeah. You, mean, you know, let's not. North Carolina saying no to the NIT. Yeah, what and I don't, I mean, I'm fascinated to see. I mean, I, I, I hope for yeah. Ole Miss fans' sake that that's not the case. But, I mean, that is that is the story. And, and, it, and it's not limited to Ole Miss. They don't even mention LSU. They might even be in that boat where they're like, hey, if we don't make the playoffs, what are we doing? You know, and I, yeah. I, I just – it's going to be make the playoffs. Make the – everything is going to be about playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. And if you're at a program that's not a playoff contender, how do you keep your fans engaged? How do you keep people excited about something where there is no – it's not what it used to look like and you're not part of the conversation? Is college game day with Nick Saban and all of them, are they even talking about anything outside of the playoff race? Yeah. And so, well, you know, like my, my daughter goes to Arkansas, right? So let's say, you know, Arkansas is as bad as I think they're probably going to be next season. How do you hype up a game in November for a – Three and five team getting ready to play. I don't know. I don't. I don't know their schedule. You know, Kentucky. Yeah. I don't know. How do you? How do you? How do you get people excited? How, do, does anyone come? What does that look like? I, I. I think it's. I think it's about to get really, really interesting, and in, in so many different ways. And, um, it. I'm all for the 12 team playoff. I think it's awesome. I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be great for the sport. Don't kid yourself in thinking that it's going to be perfect. There's, there's, it's, it's going to lead to some conversations because, you know, in the past, a seven and three team going down the stretch, you know, they were still playing for a bowl game, right, or a certain thing. Those are out now. It's like, okay, well, that yeah. team, that team's not making the playoffs. Well, look, I, and and I'm I'm gonna sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'll I'll tie it together and and tell you kind of how I'm not. On one hand. Like I look around, I see I see what happened today with, with coaches leaving and say that that shouldn't be happening in a healthy game. Um, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, a, a guy coming, leaving one school, doing spring practice at another and ending up somewhere else in the fall. Ultimately, I don't think that's good it's in not. a lot of ways for the kids. It's certainly not good for the coaches who have no no time off. So you got this yeah. whole set of things over here that that most of us don't like. And because the NCAA is the NCA and it lives in its own world, we haven't seen those things fixed. At the same time, you know, three, four years ago, we lived in a world where we get to November, or maybe not even November, we'd be, we'd be at the end of September or October, and it's like, would you take Alabama or the field? Yeah. Uh, you know, now we get a playoff where, I, you know, I, I, I picked all three playoff games. I missed them all. Yeah, I, I think it's great because I, I think we're finally sure. in a time where, like, an Ole Miss has got a chance, and that wasn't the case a few years ago. Oh, and those first round games on campus are going to be awesome. December the twenty oh first, yes. that's going to be an awesome day. Yeah. I, mean, I think there's one on the twentieth, and then three on the twenty first, or something. Well, who cares? Whatever. Those are going to be great. I mean, who? Yeah. Who's who's not going to watch? Um, you know, Ole Miss at Ohio State, or yeah, or uh, I don't know, like something crazy where Missouri gets a home game against Michigan. Yeah. That'd be all. Can you imagine Columbia, Missouri for a playoff game with Michigan in town? Can you imagine Absolutely. what this place, what this place would be like if sixth seeded Ole Miss played host to Notre Dame, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame in yeah. a playoff game in Oxford? Yeah. 
dude, this place would be a zoo. Yeah, it would be crazy. It would make the Katy Perry Alabama day in 2014 look like the Furman game. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be it'd be bonkers. But on the flip side, right? Nine and three, Ole Miss goes to the Citrus Bowl. I'm not sure they'd take 300 fans. I, I, yeah. I mean, it, so it, the landscape's going to change. And so people people say, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. There's no way to predict really what it's going to look like in two or three years because there was no way that you woke up on March the 1st, 2020 and thought we'd be here on yeah. less than four years later. There's no way you yeah. thought that. And here we are. Well, um, love your work. You, you of course, cover Ole Miss like nobody else does down there. You've got a podcast. In fact, we've had your co-host on here before, Tyler Siski. You guys do an incredible job of talking about football in a way that nobody else does um, with the connections you have between the two of you. I just want to give you a minute on the, on the way out to promote all that you do. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks for the kind words. Um, MPW Digital, MPW Digital is the place to find us wherever you get podcasts, YouTube. Um, we have a morning podcast that's pretty Ole Miss-centric called the Oxford Exxon Podcast that's more than 10 years old now. A daily podcast. And then uh, McCready and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Get your rain, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, Chris. Uh, get your uh, get your rain on and uh, listen to us for a Mondays and Thursdays live stream at 2 p.m. Central, but it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you you can clip this for your sponsor. I, I've started buying rain based on listening to your podcast, and I have oh, yeah? bought probably a couple dozen cases. It is good stuff. So I'm, running, I'm helping those who are helping walls and stuff, right? You've been just pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It, 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 it does if, the if job. Not, if you need to pick me up. Rain will do it for sure. Yeah. Neil, it's always, always fun when you join us. Thank you so much. All right, Chris. Appreciate you, buddy. All right. I'm Chris Lee. This is Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.